0: The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service, nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: Hi everybody, my name is Jonathan Simeone, and I want to welcome you all to the first episode of the Demand Our Access podcast. Before getting into the pre-recorded portion of the presentation, I want to thank Lucy and Anthony for co-hosting this podcast for me today. And I want to thank Cindy, Colby, and the rest of ACB community folks who helped me get this on the air today. I want to thank anyone who joins in Zoom and anyone who's listening on ACB Media 5. I really appreciate the support. How this is going to work is, in a minute, we will listen to a pre-recorded presentation. Um, About 17 minutes into that, we will take questions from the people in Zoom. Then we will have about another six minutes of recording, and then we will take questions to close out the presentation. With that, I will ask Lucy to please begin the recorded portion of the presentation. I think it's important for people to know a little bit about the presenter. So I wanna begin by telling you a little bit about me. I live in Portland, Oregon. Portland is the fifth state I have called home. My interests include animals, sports, reading and writing. My qualifications for doing this podcast, and I'm including this because I want you to know that I do have some credentials that give me the ability to talk about these topics. I have a law license from the state of Massachusetts. I'm a certified Americans with Disabilities Act coordinator, certified by the ADA National Network and the University of Missouri. I'm a certified professional in accessibility. My professional background. Currently, I'm the disability analyst for Portland Parks and Recreation. And what that means is I'm developing policies and training staff on those policies to help Portland's parks become more accessible to and inclusive of people with disabilities. Prior to my work with Portland Parks, I was the city of Portland's ADA Title II Policy Analyst working out of the Portland Office of Equity and Human Rights. In that role, I helped develop citywide guidance on complying with Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and I trained city staff on complying with the policies and on the city's rights and responsibilities under Title II. Prior to working for the government of Portland, I was a contract attorney for a disability rights law firm called Disability Rights Advocates in Berkeley, California. And before that, I worked for what was then called the American Bar Association's Commission on Mental and Physical Disability Law as a staff attorney. Presentation, roadmap, I'm going to cover three primary topics in this episode, why I'm doing this podcast, about this podcast, and then we're going to get into the substance of the material and begin with a very brief look at ADA basics. And when I say very brief, I mean very brief. We're going to ease into this material slowly. So why am I doing this podcast? The answer to that is complicated, but it boils down into what I think is a simple premise. And that is that the ADA is, unfortunately, a complaint based civil rights law. Now, several times throughout this podcast series, I will interject my opinion because I think it's important to give some context to what we're talking about that goes beyond just regurgitating the nuts and bolts of the law. And when I do that, as I'm doing now, I will make it clear that I'm giving my opinion. So when I say the ADA is a complaint-based civil rights law, that is my opinion. I believe it is a well-founded opinion based on the fact that the federal government does not put anywhere near enough resources into enforcing the ADA. And I will give examples of that as we move throughout the podcast series. But for now, I hope you can take my word for it. And I think honestly, in all of our lives, we know that's true because we know there is still a lot of inaccessibility we know there is still a lot of problems in the areas of employment. So the reason I really want to do this podcast is because it's a complaint-based civil rights law and even other things that aren't covered under the ADA like Section 504 of the Rehab Act, Section 508 of the Rehab Act, the kind of benefits people get from Social Security, Medicaid and Medicare, all of that depends on our ability to advocate for ourselves as individuals. But the most important point I wanna leave folks with here is that every individual victory that we achieve by filing a complaint, raising an issue with someone, explaining an accessibility challenge that we face, makes things better for all of us. And that's really what I hope to achieve with this podcast series, is I want to give people a grounding in what are our rights as people with disabilities under the number of laws that give us some degree of protection. And I want to help people understand how to enforce the individual rights that they have under the law. And then ultimately I would be thrilled if we could start sharing testimonials and I could have folks come on and talk about victories that they have achieved something that they have made more accessible. Because as I said, every time we get something done individually It benefits the community as a whole, and I'm going to talk about some of the things that I have done in a minute. But simply put, if we want change, we have to be the change we want made. It is that simple. It's not right in my view, but it's real. Along those lines, I want to discuss three different complaints that I myself have worked on, and I've chosen these because they address three different areas of complaining and accessing rights. The first one I want to talk about is against my garbage and recycling company, Waste Management. For a long time, I had difficulty paying my bill online. A few months ago, it became almost impossible. It was very, very difficult and incredibly inconveniencing. Knowing that Waste Management is a billion-dollar company and that they have been subject to the law for a long time, decades, I went to them and I explained the situation and I told them in very direct terms that if I didn't have a response from them on how it was going to be fixed by a certain period of time, that I would file a complaint with the Department of Justice against waste management. And I'm happy to report that they called me back within days and the payment process is substantially more accessible than it was when I started this process. There still are some things that I'm going to be ironing out with them, but we're in a much better place. And anyone who is a customer of waste management is benefiting from the changes that have been made and will benefit even more when the changes are fully done. The second issue I want to talk about is a complaint I made against my student loan provider, Nelnet. Nelnet, as a direct recipient of federal money and a partner with the Department of Education on administering student loan access, is covered by Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act. And we're going to get into more specifics about 508 in a future episode. But for now, let's just go with Nelnet was covered by 508 because it was and is covered by 508. So in this case, knowing that they had an even heightened responsibility and knowing that people with disabilities as loan borrowers have to engage with Nelnet, I did not go directly to Nelnet. I was angry. So I went right away and filed a complaint with the Section 508 people. Within a matter of days, I heard from Nelnet and I walked them through the problems. And now, at least the last time I had to engage with it, the web issues that I was having were completely resolved. And so again, anyone who has a student loan through Nelnet has benefited from the actions that I took. The third one I want to discuss is a complaint I filed against Rite Aid for the inaccessible vaccine sign-up portal. I want to talk about this one because in this case, I did go directly to the Department of Justice Office on Civil Rights. I didn't go to Rite Aid because I couldn't at all figure out (laughs) who to contact about this and how to contact them. And I didn't want it being stuck in a labyrinth um, looking for the right person. I just wasn't willing to spend time on that. And so I just filed my complaint with DOJ. Some of you may have heard that DOJ has settled a number of complaints against vaccine portal and accessibility with different entities, and Rite Aid is one of them. As a part of that, I did not participate other than I filed my complaint. They didn't take any other testimony from me. I didn't speak with Rite Aid individually, but eventually it was fixed. And the reason it was fixed is because Probably a lot of other people besides me filed and some folks probably filed before me, which is why all I did was give additional information and I got to be done with it. I didn't have to continue negotiating. And that made me really happy because even though I know how to do these things and I think they're important, I'd rather not spend my life doing them. Now we're going to talk a little bit about this podcast. As I've said before, we're going to cover several aspects of disability law. We're going to begin with the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. We're also going to cover sections 504 and 508 of the Rehabilitation Act. We're also going to cover the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, WCAG. WCAG is not a law. But it has been largely adopted by Section 508, and it is looked to by the courts for what does and doesn't constitute accessible web content. So we're going to go there as well. We are also going to look at different benefits processes like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. But I want to be very clear. This is not my podcast, just as making change is our job. This is our podcast. And so the order of things will be determined by community feedback and what folks think they should hear about next. So I want to be very clear about that. Any questions or comments, anything you'd like to see covered on this podcast, I want to hear from you. And in a little bit, there will be information as to how you can be in touch with me. The beginning focus on this podcast is going to be the ADA and specifically it's going to be Title II of the ADA. And we're going to give examples as to why that is in a few minutes. For now, let's talk about how this will work. There is a website for this podcast. It is called demandouraccess.com that is demandouraccess.com. I chose that website name because we do have to demand our access. Whether we want to or not, that's the reality And when you have complaint-based civil rights laws. We have to demand our access. Now, what constitutes a demand made by me may be different than what constitutes a demand made by you. But the fact is, we have to advocate for our access, and every time we do, things are better for all of us. That's why I added the our access. These podcasts will be recorded in Zoom through ACB Community every other Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. In the beginning of the podcast, I will give an introduction, and then we will move into a pre-recorded presentation. What you are listening to right now is the pre-recorded presentation for this episode. Throughout the podcast, even during the pre-recorded portion, we will stop and take questions, so there will be plenty of chances during the normal podcast when we get into the real meat of disability law for people to ask any questions that they want. I want to talk a little bit about episode resources. One of the reasons I created a website, and again it's demandhouraccess.com, to go with this podcast is because I want to post PDF presentations. So about 24 hours or more prior to each live podcast recording, I'm going to post a PDF file for the podcast. The PDF will not contain everything that I'm going to say, but it'll be a high level overview. I hope that If someone misses an episode, the PDF will give them the ability to go back and at least get the high points of what was covered. But the website will also host either the recording of the presentation or it will cover the entire recording, including the Q&A parts. I don't know exactly how that's gonna work yet because I have to work that out with the folks at ACB Community. So when we know exactly how that's going to work, um, we will certainly let you know. On the website, and the website is only about a week old, so it is very much in its early development. I will also share links to related resources for each of the different topics we cover. And I may, as I deem it necessary, share information that may go beyond the scope of what we're recording. But basically, I hope the website can serve as a hub of information related to disability law and presented in the order in which we're doing these episodes. The website will also allow you to contact me either through a contact form or by sending me an email. Again, you will have access to all kinds of resources through the website. Now I'm gonna stop and see if there are any questions at this time. And I'm here, Lucy, if we have any questions.
2: All right, let me see here. right all right first we have jewel go ahead jewel you can unmute hi this is a great podcast idea and i'm really looking forward to it um my question you mentioned doj and i actually filed a complaint with doj a couple months ago about a company that provides phone service um, they did have an app and there's a bug in the app that no longer allows people to sign in, so it's not usable for anybody. It's not an accessibility issue. It's just a bug that nobody can use the app now. But the only other way to access to the payment system is through their website. and when you go into their website, the button for um, put to make the payment um, and also for the auto pay, is not only not like it's not labeled, it's, you know, it's not labeled for screen reader, but it doesn't even show it with a screen reader. So I, the only way I was able to pay my bill was with cited assistance. And I filed with the DOJ and they told me this is, you know, basically they said, this is not important enough. There's no other complaints. We're not doing anything about it. So what do you suggest that this, you know, am I, should I just wait until other complaints happen? Is there going to be another complaints? I don't see anything happening with it. I got a site assistance, I did auto pay, but if I want to stop my auto pay, my only way to do that is through my bank and, you know, refusing payment to that um, company. So So I don't know what to do.
1: So we're going to cover filing a complaint in another episode. Um, And when we do that, I'm actually going to walk through filling out the form Mm -hmm. and what I include, why I include it. Um, But just as a very brief look at this, first of all, I'm surprised that they said that. Um, I know they are very understaffed. They don't take a lot of these things. And so the better the complaint is from a technical standpoint, the more information it has, the more likely they are to pursue it. Um, Again, I, I don't agree with that, but you know, funding ADA compliance has not been uh, enough of a priority. There are things we can do to get their attention. I would look at putting in, if you have access to um, an automated testing tool and you can demonstrate that there are violations of code as far as violations of the web content accessibility guidelines, I would look at that. But the reality of it is, we need more complaints on all of these issues. It's, it's how we get their attention. So I thank you for filing your complaint. I'm sorry you had that experience. And I hope as this series goes on, we can give people more information about how to file the kinds of complaints that they are typically likely to act on. I will say that um, I have brought up issues that they have not been interested in myself. Um, But I've also been able to get them to take a look at things as well. Um, So thank you you for your question. Uh, Do we have any other questions, Lucy? Yes, Dawn, go ahead and unmute.
0: Okay, I've got a few questions. So um, first of all, um, where can I get electronic copies of these laws and these sections of laws? Are you going to be covering that also? Um, I'm not. A lawyer. So I, is this going to be in layman's terms? Because I have no idea. Oh yeah. Are you going to be talking about? I forget exactly what it is, but I know the DOJ was talking about the um some federal uh accessi- web accessibility guy. It's not. It's not what. It's not WCAG, but it's it's some sort of Web Content Accessibility Act. I can't remember exactly what it is. Don't ask. Um and the. Also, okay, so companies, laws, and also what about, um, are you going to, like, how can I get access to copies of these laws too? And I so, think there was one other question, but I cannot remember what the heck it is at this, at this stage right now. <laughs> I'm kind of overwhelmed.
1: <laughs> so when I go through the substance of the law, I will always give the law, the section of the law. Okay. Um. And I will provide the numbers. A simple Google search will pull up the text. Okay. Um, and I'm also going to, as I said, use the Demand Hour Access website. Okay. To post resources. There is a, a PDF up mm-hmm. of this presentation on the website now. Um, it doesn't have a lot of links in it yet because this presentation itself was not, uh, you know, we're just giving the basics of the podcast right now. But in the next episode and in ep- subsequent episodes, when we get into the nuts and bolts of the law, yes, there will be links. I hope that I explain them well enough um, to be understood. If I don't, I would. I really welcome people's feedback. I'm, I can handle criticism. Uh, I want this to be a valuable community resource. So please, uh, as we move through the series, let me know. And thank you for your question, Um, everyone.
0: Real quick, too, also, um, how could you say, because I'm one of those people that I like to be nice first when I do stuff, and I don't like to play that card right away. So how would I possibly say something about, you know, like, kind of nicely but firmly demand? Because I don't know if I would even have the resources or access to file a complaint with DOJ or, you know, maybe that might not be the step for me, but how can I possibly demand in a nice but firm tone that this is what I need, this is what the issue is, and if you don't do this, then this is what's going to, then this is what I'm going to have to be forced to do. <laughs> so,
1: uh, so I hope as we go through this process that Filing a complaint will not seem as scary and overwhelming as it does to folks now. So I want to start with that. Um, And I am going to, I didn't mention this, but I should. I am going to, when we get that far, I'm going to put sample complaints on the website. Okay.
0: Um,
1: So even just
0: for companies too, if I file a complaint with a company directly and say, hey, this is what needs to happen if
1: this is what needs to happen. So we will get to title 3 is what co- what covers companies. The law called the places of public accommodation. We okay. will absolutely cover that. Um, and so but as far as the general question, I wish that people didn't have to resort to this. I do. Yeah. I, I wish do because I'm such a person. More, I don't like doing that. Right. I wish the law was more enforced by the government. I wish People were voluntarily complying in much higher numbers than they are, um, but that's not the world we live in. And I hope over time people will feel more confident about how to file complaints and also how to bring an issue to a company or to a government before it gets that far. Um, oh. As I as I talked about in my earlier in the recorded portion, um, I did you know, in the, in the in the instance of waste management, I didn't go to the Department of Justice first. I gave them an opportunity. Um, so you I don't heard. always have to do that, but we'll cover that in future episodes. And thank you for your question. Lucy, thank do we have anything else?
0: All right, let's see. No other hands right now.
1: All right, so we have about six minutes of recorded presentation left. So I will mute myself and you can play that and then we'll take more questions. Thank you. Before we go, let's take a brief look at basics under the Americans with Disabilities Act. The Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990 ADA has five titles. Title one addresses the employment of people with disabilities. Title II primarily covers access to the activities, programs, and services offered by state and local governments. Title three applies to places of public accommodation. And what that really means primarily is businesses, hotels, restaurants, concert venues, sports stadiums, places where we go, or we deal with online, although that is a little tricky and we'll get into that when we need to. (laughs) Title IV of the ADA deals with telecommunications. We aren't gonna talk a lot about Title IV, but the most important part of Title IV was the establishment of the relay service that folks who are deaf or hard of hearing can use to make text-based phone calls. Title V of the ADA deals with what it calls miscellaneous provisions. And we aren't going to spend a lot of time on Title V. Instead, I will talk about it as necessary um, when we move throughout the different podcast topics. Now let's briefly look at what's coming up in the next episode of this podcast. We're going to start by focusing on Title II of the ADA, which again primarily applies to the activities, programs, and services of state and local governments. The next episode is going to focus on the primary responsibilities of state and local governments to people with disabilities. So we're going to be discussing when a covered entity has to appoint an ADA coordinator. We're going to discuss the notice of rights. So each entity has to notify the public of their rights under Title II of the ADA. We're going to discuss the grievance or complaint procedure. Each entity is supposed to establish, publish, and then follow a grievance procedure that allows us to complain when things are not working the way they should under the law and we are not getting accessible services. We're also gonna discuss the self-evaluation, which in very simple terms, is an assessment of the activities, programs, and services of a local government to find out whether or not they are accessible. And when they are not, and access can be achieved through what the law calls programmatic access, the self-evaluation should identify the steps that will be taken to achieve programmatic access. And again, we'll have a lot more on this in the next episode. And the final main topic of our next meeting will be the transition plan. In its simplest form, the transition plan is a public schedule of barrier removal that tells the public when physical barriers that have to be removed to achieve programmatic access will be removed. And to step out of legalese and hopefully make that more understandable. I'll give a brief example. So let's say a city has a lot of meetings in an old meeting hall that is not accessible to people who use mobility devices like wheelchairs and scooters. The self-evaluation was supposed to identify those inaccessibilities. And if there is no other way to provide access to those meetings, the transition plan would schedule the removal of the barriers that prevent access. So, for example, the transition plan might say, we're going to install an elevator to the second floor in this year. We're going to install an accessible restroom in that year. And so that is a very brief look at what is coming up in the next episode. By way of reminder, the next episode will be Saturday, December 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern. The folks with the ACB community will be giving the Zoom information and more information as it becomes available about that episode. And the information will be published to the Demand Hour Access website. So you'll be able to find out more about the episode in both places, and again, The PDF to accompany the next episode will be put on the website 24 hours prior to the recording of the podcast. With that, I will end the recorded portion of this presentation and we will see if we have any questions. So thank you again, Lucy. And I'm back to see if we have any more questions. Let's see. Anybody
2: with any questions? Raise your hand.
1: I thought it would be a little earlier today because we're not delving too heavily into the law yet. But if we have questions.
2: Yes. Jewel, go ahead and unmute. Yes. um, I was just wondering if you're going to be putting this out as a podcast. Um, through podcast catchers, such as Overcast and, you know, those kind of things?
1: I have. I'm, I, right now, as I mentioned in this podcast, I do plan to post the pre-recorded portions to a YouTube channel uh, for demand hour access. I don't know about the full recordings and stuff. I haven't talked with ACB about that. Um, And ACB is um, a critical and valued partner uh, by me. And so I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Um, So uh, we will have more information about that in the coming weeks.
2: Awesome. Thank you.
1: Any other
0: questions? Anybody else?
1: All right. Well, I, th- I thank everyone for coming. I hope you can visit demandhouraccess.com. If you have any feedback, please fill out the contact form that is On Demand Hour um, And you can also email me at jonathanatdemandhouraccess.com. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at demandouraccess.com. I look forward to any feedback um, and questions about the podcast or what we cover on the podcast. And I hope everyone has a great week. And thank you again to Lucy, um, Anthony, and the rest of the ACB community folks for helping me begin this podcast journey.